0: Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Guess what, folks? Kyle is still donating. Go to kyleskitchencom slash givingback to make a donation today. Go check them out at their locations in Santa Barbara and Goleta. This episode also brought to you by our social media accounts, UCSB underscore baseball. Right now we're doing an all-decade fan vote, so check out Instagram and Twitter for those posts. Uh, cast your vote. Make your voice heard. Uh, it's kind of a theme these days. So uh, having some fun on social media, go check that out. Okay, this is part one of a two-part series, I suppose. It is baseball after all. With the great Bill Givet, he was an All-American, uh, a Hall of Famer, as a gaucho, hit over 400 in his career, and went on to have a tremendous career as an executive in Major League Baseball. Uh, He's also a fun interview. He's a talkative person, as most of people who know him would say. Uh, He's a huge booster for the Gauchos and always a presence on Alumni Weekend, and this is a, a very exciting podcast to announce. So this is part one, and we have a surprise guest as well in this first part, which will focus more on his current role as the founder of I'm a Player and his, some of his gaucho days and maybe a conversation uh, about his old coach. So, without further ado, this is part one. Next week will be part two. Here is Gaivo.
1: It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night.
0: Here's the one-strike pitch in. Mitchell it to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him in. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big West. All right, today on the Gaucho 9 podcast, we have a distinguished guest, he transferred into UC Santa Barbara from Sacramento City College back in 1984. He played two years in a gaucho uniform. And during his career, he hit a 402 clip, 113 runs. He had 22 doubles, 13 triples, seven homers, 56 RBIs. He stole 39 bases. He had 71 walks and only struck out 45 times. He has the highest career batting average in school history, tied second all time with those 13 triples. He has the highest single season average. He hit 412 in 1985. He's one of two gauchos to have 100 hits in a season, along with Skip Schumacher. He's also second all time in single season runs scored with 74. 13 all American in 1985. He was first team all Big West in both 84 and 85, and a 13 round pick of the California Angels in 1985. He went on to spend 28 years in professional baseball, including 21 as an executive. Please welcome to the Gaucho Nine podcast, and really happy to have you, Bill Guyvet. Bill, good morning.
2: Hey, thanks, Kevin. Great to be on here. Gaucho land. Love it. I'm uh, trying to get back in, but they won't let me. So uh,
0: Nonsense. That's yeah, nonsense. right. <laughs> um, well, to get things started, right now you, you are working with uh, I'm a Player. You founded that in 2017. It's an online platform for baseball and softball. Scouting and development and college recruiting. Uh, How has that been going for you so far?
2: You know, it's been going good. I mean, this whole COVID thing has certainly thrown it for a loop here. And we're, you know, as far as trying to take on uh, new players right now, it's a little difficult because I feel like if they, you know, one, if they can't go out and play with their team and two, college coaches can't see them, it's kind of different. But, you know, we've got players from professional baseball, four year schools. And then high school and college or high school, and that's really geared to obviously college recruiting. But the main aspect we're a scouting and player development com- companies. So we try to evaluate the player, assess their ability both athletically and then in skill level, and try to uh, guide and mentor the player on what they need to be doing either through their routines to become a better player, or, a lot of it, you know, some of it's mechanics as well, and what they're doing, so they'll be a little bit more pleasing to the eye of a upper level evaluator. And some maybe in terms of strategy and how they're going about it, like pitchers in the minor leagues and pitches that they have and what they do and and whatever else. So it's all encompassing. I mean, we'll do. It. I've had a couple agents approach me about helping to mentor their major league players as well. So um, we'll do. Anything and anybody who wants to be a better baseball or softball player, try to put them in position where we can um, also with the, the younger kids help college coaches know who's out there from a source that is trying to be accurate and trying to put the player in the best position where they belong. Not everybody that plays belongs at UCSB. And there are different divisions and different levels for different players. The things that we try to get them to focus on is really how to become a better player and uh, how to play at higher levels. The division stuff will all take care of itself. But hopefully when we have good players, we can tell people like uh, Coach Jackets about players that they need to go see or should, in our mind, have interest in and would be a candidate for them and then they can make the decision.
0: Well, that's, that's the name of the game, uh, at least at the college level and, and at the professional level. It's it's finding talent maybe in in hidden places or places that you wouldn't expect to look and I'm talking to you about it a little before we started recording, that sounds like a, a lot of what you're doing is you're giving opportunities to, to kids who maybe not get as much exposure if they're not in a populated area or if they're, you know, if they, they can't get seen and that's in the online platform. There's so much of online stuff going on these days where it it provides that larger platform to get seen.
2: Yeah, well, there's 300 Division One coaches. So if you want to play at the Division One level, Ted, go. How many tournaments do you have to go to for all of them to see you? <laughs> for all those programs to see, you? and then if you're on field eight, and all the coaches are over on the other fields, and they're tracking down players that they're either recruiting or considering recruiting there's a lot of good players that get lost in the shuffle. I mean, I coached at Loyola and Long Beach. I can remember being in Long Beach state. There were plenty of Friday nights where we're playing, you know, it could be Cal Poly Pomona and some guys out there throwing low nineties. We're going, how do we, how do we didn't get this guy? You know, those types of things that, that go on all the time. I mean, there's a lot of players and there's a, you know, be, besides that, besides being identified and exposure and all these things that these people throw around these days, the aspect of becoming a better player as it relates to the higher level is truly what the importance is. Because even if you go to some place, if you're not, if you don't have the skills and really the ability to compete at that level, it doesn't matter if some coach rolls out one game and you, you play great and they give you a scholarship. Coaches aren't right all the time. And then you shoot, you end up being in a place where you don't really don't fit, and that's a struggle in itself. So we're trying to help players be reasonable in terms of where they really belong, where their best college experience probably be, and not just going after you know big names like UCSB or whatever else, but really looking in and what's important to you, what's important to you in the whole aspect of a college experience, a lot more than just a baseball part I know this is a baseball podcast, but and I'm an old baseball guy, but at the <laughs> same time, I know what it was like getting recruited.
0: Oh, yeah. And
2: recruited by a lot of schools. And there's a lot of aspects besides baseball that go into that decision. So,
0: Well, you, you took a path, you're getting into your baseball career, you took a path that a lot of kids take, that many people don't perceive as glamorous. You went to a J.C. first, and then you transferred into a Division One school, but the J.C. that you played at, and I played in the same conference, the Big Eight, when I played in junior college ball, but Sacramento City College had a great program and, and still does, and was your J.C. coach, was it Jerry Weinstein?
2: Yes, it was. I still have emotional scars <laughs> from those two years I played for Coach Weinstein. I hate to—he's like a fungus. I hired him with the Dodgers. I hired him with the Rockies. I can't get away from this guy, and um, I'm still paying the price for it.
0: Well, we we see him a lot at a uh, at the ballpark here in Santa Barbara because he's he's got baseball in his blood just like you do. You transferred to to UCSB and you played under Coach Ferrer, and. You had an exceptional career, but how, what was your path to to getting to UC Santa Barbara?
2: Well, um, you know, it's interesting because when, you know, when we went to Sacramento, any kid in Sacramento at that time, and I graduated in 1981, which is, I know, before most people have been born, um, nobody got us I – I don't remember any player getting a scholarship to go anywhere. We all just played in junior college. So I got a letter from Stanford my sophomore year, and that was it. They probably looked at my transcripts and said, okay, forget it. But we all went to junior college, and then from junior college we would go. I mean, our uh, team at Sac City, I remember, I think it was the second year I was there, we had 17 players drafted. We had I don't know how many going to whatever schools. And then every Monday my second year there, the college coaches would come in and sometimes two in one day and they would take a group of four or five of us or ten of us depending on the school and they would go over their school and talk about it and really that's where we were going to go there and then pick whatever school we wanted to go to was the way it was sold by coach Weinstein and basically the way it played out. It was interesting in that I probably got recruited by 40, 45, 50 schools. Anybody that was looking for a third baseman, from Tennessee to Arkansas, Nebraska, to ASU, to whoever, they were all recruiting me. And all of a sudden, here comes Santa Barbara. And I had, at that time in California, you know, you did all your academic work in high school as it related to the UC system or the Cal State system. And I was always, you know, uh, one of these guys that thought he was smarter than he probably was. So. I was going to be on this UC track to make sure that I could go to UC school. And being a pseudo intellectual, that's uh, exactly what I did. went to Sac city and was lining everything up. <laughs> Coach Milano was a Cal, and Cal was the, it was, it was basically, I was going to stay in California. The central Valley fog in the wintertime had done enough for me. I was going somewhere and, in California, UC School Cal would have been great. All of a sudden, I started hearing about UC Santa Barbara, which i had never heard of before, to be honest with you. I'd never heard of. Um, I went on a trip December 21st down there, and Bob Ferraro, who was a catcher the year before there, took me around with Paul Morehouse, I can remember, and we were over on Del Playa, and throwing footballs on the beach and they took me down to Joe's cafe at night and we were <laughs> running around on state street and I, and the Rams were on every Sunday. And I said, this is it. I mean, how do you beat this? And coach Ferrer was a tremendous recruiter to be honest with you. And Tim Brown was the assistant at the time and he was, he was really good too. And, and, uh, so I had such a good feeling about Santa Barbara, but, at the time I think they only had 7.1 scholarships but I don't come from a real wealthy family or anything like that and I said hey look I need a full ride wherever I'm going I need a full ride and there's plenty of schools that are going to give me one so I don't have to pay anything and well couldn't coach said well we can't do that we only have this many scholarships I said well coach Milano is going to give me a full ride of Cal and he said uh he said, well, I doubt that. He's not going to give, they don't give full rides to Cal, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, if I get it, I'll tell you. When he says he's going to send it next week, I'm going to get in the mail. So I can remember sitting with my dad, who's an old 23-year Navy man. You know, he retired Navy, and here comes the scholarship. I open it up from Cal. It's a full ride to go to Cal. And my dad really wanted me to go to Cal. And I said, dad, I, I think I'm going to say, if Santa Barbara gives me what I need to go down there. I don't have to pay. I'm going to Santa Barbara. That's it. That's a done deal. And I thought he was going to punch me, but he held back and uh, didn't punch me that time. <laughs> but it's uh, a pretty tough guy. And, and he didn't, and he was all upset and I called coach Ferrer and I said, Hey coach, Coach Moleno just sent the full ride. You, you want me to be a gaucho or a bear? That's up to you. And he said, I want you to be a gaucho. You got it. If he sent you if he sent you a full ride, then we'll match it. I said, Okay, fine. And I actually went down to Santa Barbara when I got down there. We had our first baseball party. I don't think anybody talked to me for like two weeks. <laughs> I was at the party. they <laughs> all said, Oh yeah, there's a guy who took all the scholarship money. Took all the money. They didn't even want to talk to me. I couldn't blame them. But uh, yeah, that's that's how it all ended up. I just didn't, you know, the schools that were out um, out of California and whatever, I just never, I, you know, I liked the schools. I liked everything about them. It was just really the weather to me. I wanted to go down and be by the beach and all that stuff. I mean, I look half Hawaiian anyway, so I figured being down the beach is kind of in my blood. And my mom's Filipino. So,
0: it actually, yeah, uh, maybe yeah maybe and I, Al... I couldn't,
2: I wouldn't trade it for anything, tell you the truth. I look at these schools now and even the guys and, you know, the teams that we played against, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Santa Barbara's, the, the, it was the exact perfect spot for me, and uh, I would assume for a lot of people.
0: Maybe Al, he, he did some extra homework on you and knew. He's like, this guy – he wants to be by the beach. And so he takes you down and sells you the beach. It's either that or that's all that he had working for him. Because that, that's kind of what it sounds like a lot of the things that a, a lot of discussions I've had with Al is that, I mean, yeah, this this is what we had. We had some academics and we had this beautiful weather and this beach and let's sell the heck out of this. And it got a lot of great players. Cause
2: well, and that's what I mean. There's a lot more to your college experience than just, you know, the baseball stadium right and that's i mean how much does that really mean to you, your baseball stadium and that didn't play into how i looked at it at all i mean certainly uh facilities are seem to be a little bit more important to some people than others but for me it really didn't factor in the school where i was going to live um the type of environment i was going to be in all those things and the and the academic level of active, uh, academic reputation Those types of things are really, really important. Coach Ferrer, I think, just recruited me because he needed another guy to yell at the rest of his life. He's just like Weinstein. I don't know what it is with me and coaches, but they they like to to yell at me and needle me. Even as I get older and fatter, they still seem to – they don't lose a step, believe me.
0: Well, describe your skill set as a player. So you played third base and – I'm talking with Al and talking with some other coaches and players who, who either played with you or coached you or saw you. They describe you as one of the better all-around players that have played at UCSB because you could run, you could hit for average, you hit some over the fence, and you could also pick it at third base. So is that an accurate assessment of your skill set coming from the scout that you are?
2: That's probably a little complimentary. <laughs> I could hit and I could run um i could throw before i um convinced some people in summer ball i could pitch and said i pitched in high school and lied and i ended up hurting my arm trying to pitch too but um no i i could hit and i could run and those are the two things that i could really do And, and as it relates to the professional level it was really easy for me to understand when i was you know started scouting and doing whatever that i was much better I was a much better performer and college player than I really matched up to try to put a team together professionally because I was a corner player. And as a corner player, you're supposed to provide power and run production and offense. And if you play in the middle of the field, you to provide defense. Those are your primary um, – important tools right that you play defense in the middle of the field and and you kind of fit into a profile I, i wasn't good enough defensively to play in the middle and i didn't have really any power to play on the corner so it was more of a i was as it relates to professional baseball a little bit versatile and i could play some short i could go over to second base play third base i could throw them in the outfit they could do some things with me i could hit but i really didn't have The type of power that you need. So I was what we would call in professional baseball, like a tweener. You know, I really didn't fit in terms of how you would put together a club professionally at the college. It'd be like in basketball if you're looking at, you know, a one guard as your point guard, your two guards, your shooting guard, right? I was kind of both of those guys, like a one and a half but probably couldn't match up against the number one point guards or shoot as well. And it's probably deep as the number, you know, the, the best two guards. And so when I try, I try to relate basketball to that because a lot of people understand that because those positions are really profiled and in the same way in baseball that we do that. And that's truly um, for me, I could really understand that as I got into professional
0: baseball more. So your years were 84 and 85 and and you you arrive as the team was on the heels of a regional in 83. But even when they had the mighty Bill Gaivett, you guys didn't make a regional. Like were you were you surprised that you guys didn't make the postseason because then you I think they made one in 87. So you missed the or 86 was when they won the championship. Mm-hmm. So you so you missed you missed a couple regional years.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And the year I think uh, Fullerton beat us out for the championship of the conference in 84, they were the only ones that went out of the conference and they won the national championship. So, but when you look back then, you got to remember, you guys are in the modern days. This is just like just after the war when I played. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, There was only – I think it was was either 32 or – I think it was 32 teams that went to the tournament back then. See, So you guys are all locked in this, 64 teams and everybody, and their mom goes, we didn't have that. It It was a lot tougher to get into the tournament back then, and you basically had to almost win the conference to go out of the Big West. And I think the year before that it was called the Pacific Coast Athletic Conference. association right so much more difficult the year though in 84 I think is um you know it's an interesting year because we had a very good team we were at one point 19 and one and ranked fifth in the country we went up and uh Stanford beat us on a bad call on a foul ball down the line and I was playing third and got a great view of the ball that was about a foot foul of a guy called fair and Stanford ends up beating it beating us and I'm sure that umpire got to do Stanford's next series and then uh, and we swept Cal and we were 19 and one after that and jumped up in the rankings to fifth and then from there things kind of got you know I like to say it's because I got hurt when we got back the very next game I got hit by pitch and missed six weeks but um, yeah we kind of had a tough time there in the middle but um, you know coming off 83 where they're playing in a regional championship and then 84 or 19 and one. I mean, we had a very, very good team and uh, probably didn't play as well. And then in 85, I think we were probably underachieved as well as, as it relates to the talent we had. But they were good teams. And at the same time, I would say a lot, you know, half of the teams went to the tournament
0: not like it is now okay so i, I invited we'll this guy on yeah i couldn't have bill on without al so i'm uh, oh, bringing in al ferrer here and I, hopefully we can keep this brief you know maybe like 20 you minutes.
2: know what i'm saying i can't get away from these guys him and exactly.
0: yeah that's why i brought up jerry i brought up al so al al what's going on i'm here
1: not much. I'm in awe. You went from uh, Travis Rogers yesterday. That's right. And uh, then, then you lowered your standards and went with Bill Givett. I think it's it, it's exciting. Coach, I told him the only reason you
2: recruited me because you wanted to have a guy to yell at the rest of your life.
1: And it worked. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, have you told him uh, much about your experience at UCSB? You know
2: what I told him about the extortion that I did from in cahoots with coach Milano to get a full ride, to go to Santa Barbara.
0: <laughs> that was a pretty good story, Al. He got you. But it worked. And He's I had a lot remember of remember
2: you're here. Italian, but Milano's Italian too. And I gave him, you know, gave him a little cut there to make sure that he bumped the scholarship up. <laughs> so I'd go down to Santa Barbara. He had no idea I was finagling that stuff
1: as a kid. Well, To be serious for a minute, he got one sixth of our scholarships at that time because we had six, and uh, it was worth it. In hindsight, it paid off. So, uh, I'll tell you what: there's
2: a little bit of heat on you. You know, when you pull, it's all fun and games when you're telling people that stuff. But when I went to Santa Barbara, was like, okay, now you got to put up. Now, I mean, you've been talking a pretty good game. I remember telling myself, you're going to have to do some serious damage at this place and and do well, because you can't just go around and tell people what you want and not be worth it. So the whole time I was just trying to make sure I was worth all the popping off I was doing. Well,
1: as I get older, uh, things start to fade. And I want you to confirm this story or deny it, uh, because Kevin and I were talking about it. We were playing, I believe, USC. And Randy Johnson's pitching, and he's throwing in the 90s, like 97. And you're our leading hitter, not only of that year, but all time. And maybe the best hitter we ever had. I, Quinn might, Mack might have given you a run for your money, but I'm not sure. And did I pinch hit for you with a left-handed hitter to go left-handed against Randy Johnson?
2: I don't know if it was Randy Johnson because I remember that game and I wasn't coming out of that game. Um, uh, but, it's, but you actually pinch hit for me twice. And one was with Mark Leonard who hit a home run. And in okay. that game, it was because we were up. I think we were up. by. I remember getting pinch hit for it twice and it was two homers. And yeah, well. you, know, you had your crystal ball working.
1: I thought one was a walk-off double by Dave Stewart off of Randy Johnson. We walked off on Randy. And everybody thinks Dave Stewart hit a home run that day because the crowd just ran onto the field. But it actually was a double, and it won the game. But
2: Okay, well, Mark Leonard hit a homer, I remember. Because he wouldn't let me forget. And, but,
1: and he uh, made the major league, so that makes sense.
2: Yeah, and uh, Stu, I, I don't know. I don't remember – no, I don't, I don't think. I don't think you would, have, unless something happened where I got hurt,
1: which was one. That's of what the, it was. It was it yeah, was a I hamstring or something.
2: Yeah, I got. I remember another. getting, getting pinched for, and one time we were up by a lot and getting pinched for, and they're both. of them going. God dang, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> okay, well, a lot of a lot of people <laughs> want to work in professional baseball, and Bill did too. And they think it's a piece of cake and you'll rise all the way to the top and be a GM, which Bill achieved. But Bill wanted to make sure I knew his road was not easy. And one night he calls me and it's nighttime here. And he said, Coach, what are you doing? You are sitting in your nice house in the San Inez Valley having a Coke? And I said, yeah, pretty nice. He goes, well, let me tell you where I am. I'm on a runway in Australia and my suitcase has just been run over by an airplane. (laughs) I thought... He was trying to let me know that path was not as easy as a lot of people think. So, do you remember Uh, that evening? Oh, my
2: goodness. I remember that. I think I was in, uh, I want to say it was Lismore, Australia. And my bag shows up on the the carousel deal. It's half open. It's got tire tracks right over the (laughs) top. My clothes are hanging out. I've just been on a flight for two days and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. What are we doing here? No, I've had a lot of interesting. Uh, yeah. People don't even realize coach. I'm glad you I mean, 21 years. And I think I had 21 years of 200 nights a year on the road at minimum.
1: And, and Bonnie the, has you know, stayed with you. That's me. the amazing thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I knew it got bad when I was with the Dodgers and we were having these secret meetings, which we were not supposed to be doing with a pitcher over there who shower remained nameless. And <laughs> and I'm meeting, I'm flying over for a meeting with him and his wife in a hotel in Tokyo, and then going back to the airport, getting on the flight, going home, driving from LAX to your Linda, putting on a suit, and driving to Dodger Stadium for the night game. And I'm sitting there going. Now that now I'm going too far. You just don't commute to Tokyo and still go and watch the game and, and uh, be at Dodger Stadium. It was an uh, interesting, interesting time. Yeah, people think it's easy, but
1: it's really not. Kevin, we may have talked in the past about this, but I started the sport management program, and we placed more than 1,000 people with uh, professional teams from the Lakers, the 49ers, Dodgers. Bill wrote a book. And the title was, uh, So You Want to Work in Baseball? And he sent me an autographed copy, which was very generous of him. And so because of our relationship has been known to be somewhat facetious, sarcastic, ragging, etc., my plan was to read the entire book, highlight it, and then just destroy it to him. And just tell him it's basically a piece of garbage. Well, I read the whole thing. And when I was done, this was very painful for me to tell him. If I was still a professor, that would have become a mandatory textbook for all our sport management classes, independent of the sport. If you wanted to work in the MBA, uh, the skeleton there is in the book for the path to making. And uh, I had no idea how academic he was. He really, he really pulled one off with that uh, book.
0: Well, he, he mentioned so, it. He, he mentioned it when he was saying that how he made the decision to come to UC Santa Barbara is that academics was a big part of it. And he, he said he's a pseudo academic, you know, not full academic. He's got to go out and hit a ball with a stick and throw it around and get dirty and sure. all that. But you know, he's got a brain up there and it's, it's working constantly. And I'm, I'm curious, Bill, because all your years of experience, I guess you wanted to put that, experience to paper is that what inspired you to write the book
2: yeah I did. but first let me say thanks coach and i know now i can't tell if you're joking about the book or not
0: <laughs> <laughs> no
1: i'm i'm honest
2: but, uh, <laughs> now what i wanted to do is really from uh you know there's a lot of quantitative stuff going around and everybody's into analytics which i'm a fan of as well Um, but not a lot of qualitative. And that's really what I wanted to write the book for. I've got very little stuff in there as it relates to analytics. I've got some little spin rate type of deal and whatever, but I tried to stay away from it as much as possible because I just don't feel like people in today's world really understand that there is a method and a process and really a lot of qualitative aspects of being involved in baseball performance that people don't give credit for it'd be like um, the way i looked at it the best managers and scouts they never write anything down or publish anything or have podcasts where they talk about how to do it because if everybody knows their crown jewels they're not special anymore And scouts that really know how to scout don't really talk and tell people how they do it. And managers don't give up their info on how they manage a game. They just keep everything to themselves and really try to keep it secret. So what I tried to do, and there wasn't really anything that was out there, of how you go about the process of scouting and evaluating players. And I wanted to document all that information, whether it was my time with Lasorda, Felipe Alou, Bill Livesey with the Yankees, especially, to uh, to put all that down so that people could understand and appreciate that there's a lot more to this than what you might think.
1: And so that was the you realize you in a sentence you just name dropped Tommy Lasorda, the Yankees. Etc. Etc. In one sentence, and you didn't use Kevin Cannon, which you're going to be name dropping in a couple of years from now. Um, Well, I
2: know this. We're not done with the whole thing here, Coach. It was just one sentence. It was one sentence. I can't get everybody into one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I tried to get a bunch of them in there.
1: Kevin, the last thing uh, I'm going to say, and then I'm going to leave, is Bill represents the special thing the Gauchos have, they have it now. Uh, Andrew does a great job of keeping it going. Uh, as Bill will tell you, we've lost about five of my players over the years that passed away. And one was this year. And what I never realized when I coached was how much the camaraderie meant over those generations of players. And when something happens to one, they rally like family. I mean, uh, we had a Zoom call with, I think, 16 players uh, the day Mike Tresmer passed away. And it was very touching and emotional. And Bill and uh, probably Tim McCurcher are the two guys who really rally the troops and come back every year. So it's an important part of it.
2: No, it is. It's, um, I think it's one aspect of, if you go back to even the time where I was on my recruiting trip, where... Uh, you know, Morehouse, I'll drop some names, Ferraro. But these guys, when I was there, you could just tell how close they were. And that's something that I felt like in a lot of, you know, some of the other places I was looking at. I mean, to know that everybody lived right there in the same spot and you all were hanging around. We, we were very, very close. And that's an interesting place about UCSP that I don't think, you really go there and, and create lifelong friends and um just everybody living together and then all the time coach would have us on the field where we were with everybody all the time because he was a slave driver um but uh yeah it was uh it's a special place and we created special bonds that certainly to me last for a lifetime
0: yeah it's a special place and it's a a testament to your both of your personalities and your commitment to family and welcoming in new members and then carrying on the relationships after you're done playing. And uh, Al told me that your guys' relationship, like, like Bill's the only guy that will rag on you or rag on Al in person, like won't give him an edge at all, but then speaks volumes behind his back. And that's kind of a, I've never really heard of that, point that way where you guys are so tight that that's just the way it is like you guys are yeah that that was that's that
2: was part of the fabric of who we it didn't matter who you were and you see this with the best major league clubs that nobody's immune from getting ragged on i mean if you're close and you're tight then nobody's going to get sensitive right you do something where you know you need to be called out a little bit you're going to get called out but at the same time, you still love everybody, and and they're part of the family, and that's uh, certainly the way we were, and it's certainly a special aspect that I'll always cherish about being a gaucho.
0: So. So, so Al, last thing before we let you go, when Bill came on, the first thing he said was, "All right, we're doing gauchos. I got to go collars up." So he's got the collar up. Yeah. Is that was that. What was what was that his thing? Wearing yeah. the collar up. For them,
1: I was too old and I, yeah. I was, I was self-confident. I didn't need to put my collar up, but it was a, a Santa Barbara thing. A yeah, no, Coach, thing.
2: Coach, Coach just stayed with the fake chest hair and gold chains. <laughs> and, the,
1: and the white belt and the white shoes. Yeah. He didn't
2: do um, the, he didn't do the collar up like we did.
1: It's a generational thing, but uh, they had so many things that I didn't know about that were little inside jokes and, then, as I get old, for example, I didn't know I was the cheese. That was my nickname, the cheese. I found that out like six weeks ago. And I thought, how many things was I called that I never knew? And it's a good thing I didn't know it. So somebody yeah, had to some, run the show, and you got to be felt, So
2: There's some you still don't know, Coach. Uh,
1: know. And that's good. I'm don't fine don't with that.
2: Do that. Yeah. <laughs> there's no need to pile on here at this point.
1: All right. So Al, who do you follow uh, guy vet with? You gonna have Lasorda on next week or what? Let's do it. Yeah, why not? We'll get Tommy.
0: <laughs> well,
1: Bill and Tommy are awfully close. He could probably pull it off. So All
0: right, Al, thanks for jumping on. Uh we'll let you get back to your your humble abode in the San Inez Valley. You can enjoy the rest of the Great. day. Good Take it Tommy. easy, Bill. Say hi Good. to Bonnie.
2: Yeah, thanks. Hey, yeah, to share it. I'll give
1: you a call. Okay.
0: All right, that was Al Ferrer. I thought we'd surprise you. Bill. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for <No> that. Surprise.
2: <laughs> thanks for that. Flashbacks. I was getting scared.
0: All right, big thanks to our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. And thank you to Bill Gavette for sitting in. We will hear more from Guyvo next week. And also a big thanks to Al Ferrer for jumping on. Al has been a huge source for me for a lot of these podcasts, and it's been fun reminiscing with him and talking with him. And he jumped at the opportunity to come on with Guyvo to talk some smack. So thank you, Al Ferrer. Uh, we will hear more from him in the future, and we'll hear more from Bill next week. Next Tuesday, part two, we'll jump into his executive years uh, where he was with the Rockies and the Dodgers and a bunch of other teams. It's, it was a really interesting conversation uh, about life as an executive in Major League Baseball and all the travel and the stories and, and the hard work that goes into it. Um, also, we're going to try and sneak in a podcast with some players, some current players that are playing in summer leagues. So I'm putting those together. Uh, we've got some guys playing in California, and we've got uh, a student manager who's been out in Waterloo, Iowa, so when I get all those collaborated and put together, uh, we will post that on this feed, so that's what's coming up in the next couple weeks. Again, stay safe, uh, enjoy sports, it's back, I'm having a blast catching up on basketball, hockey, and some baseball, hopefully baseball makes it through the season, and hopefully we get some football and Hopefully we're all staying safe and being smart and making the right decisions. So until next week, please have a great remainder of your week. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Goucher Podcast.